course, we know this is Paul writing to the church at Rome. And here in Romans chapter 8, verse 6, we see what he has to say. It says, For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, and the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his Spirit that dwelleth in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live after the flesh. For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. Let's pray together. Father, we come before you this morning. We are, we are thankful and we are humbled as we sing and as we think and as we ponder all that you have done for us. Your great and mighty and wondrous works, Lord, and your, your awesome love. And as we behold all of that and we, we worship before you, I, I ask, Lord, that you would take your, your word by your spirit now into our minds, into our hearts. Remove the distractions that would get in the way and the things that would turn our minds other places, Lord, and help us to have open ears and open hearts to the truths that are here. And give me strength and grace that I may say only what is acceptable. I ask now that you do the work that only you can do, change our hearts and draw us near. I ask all of these things in the name of Jesus, amen. You may be seated. I don't know if you've, any of you have been to Rome, but there's quite a lot of things to see there architecturally and art-wise. One of those things that kind of amazes me is what's called the Sistine Chapel painted by Michelangelo, um, just the, this whole ceiling of this, this beautiful building and this beautiful painting. It's the one with the God and man and the fingers and all of that. I imagine it's amazing to see in person. It's probably one of those things you would walk into and look up and just kind of be overwhelmed immediately with all that's there, all of the detail and all of the, the drawings and to really get a sense of it, you couldn't just look at it and walk through and say, oh, that's nice. No, you probably have to sit there and kind of just gaze upon it and start noticing all of these different details. And probably the more that you sat there, the more different things that you would see. And if you were there with your spouse, she or he would probably see something different than you would, and you would talk together about it. And I imagine it's quite an amazing sight to see. Well, Romans chapter 8 is like that. To me, it's one of the most majestic places in Scripture. It deals with things on such a level that is deep, and the more that you think about it, the more that comes out. And we could really park here for months and just kind of see what each little phrase means. Uh, We don't have time for that this morning, and we'll do our best here in the coming weeks. But I just want you to know this is a very special place, and we've spent the time that we have because it means so much. He starts out talking about no condemnation. There's no condemnation to those who are in Christ. 
that condemnation has been removed by the life that Christ gives us. He has taken the judgment for our sin away, the eternal consequences for our sin away, and now I stand before Him not guilty. I stand before Him spiritually justified. That is a work that I cannot do, I cannot ever do, but He does that for me. That is something that should put us on our face before God in thankfulness. Because I am a sinner. I am stained by sin. I am guilty. But yet I can stand before Him without condemnation. He talks about the freedom that we have and now that we should walk and live in a way that the righteousness of the law that I never could attain to before, the things that always condemned me, Now I can live in a way that those are fulfilled in me. That is through Christ. This total life change, this total perspective, this this total picture of grace that God has given us. That's what Romans Romans chapter 8 talks about. So it is special to my heart. And beloved, it's something that we need. It's something that the world needs to hear. If you spend any time considering the world around us and um, just watching maybe the news or watching people, you spend any time talking to people, you're going to see that, well, not only is there evil out there, certainly, there's evil things going on, but you're going to quickly get the sense that people are not happy. Are they? There's a lack of of true happiness. There is a lack of peace in people's hearts. They're restless. They're unsettled. They're searching all the time. Searching for it. And they try to find it in so many different things, right? The next fill-in-the-blank will be what makes them content. You can't have an iPhone. I still have an iPhone 5S. Can you believe that? To some people, that's ancient. And I have a Galaxy S6. Those are my phones. One's for work and one's for personal. People can't believe that. You still have that old thing? Why haven't you upgraded? Because they don't need to. But there are people that still wait in line for those things, right? Something's off. Something's off. They're looking for the next thing. That's going to be it. That's going to be what makes me content. That's going to be what makes me happy. You see, I'll be at peace if I can just blah, and then I'll be fine. Maybe you've even said that. Maybe I can just get to this level or get this, and then, oh man, everything's going to be fine. It's that quick fix mentality, right? This, this must be the problem. Or maybe it's over here. If I just fix these things, then everything else will, will kind of just... Come along. Thinking that runs along these lines, and I'm sure you've heard it. If I can just make this much, everything will be fine. If I can just move here, everything will be fine. If I can just buy this car, everything will be fine. If I can just, if I can just, if I can just. If I can get that, or do that, whatever, then my marriage will be fine. My family will be fine. My self-esteem will be fine. That's the secret, isn't it? 
That's what's going to give me peace. That's what the thinking of the world is. And maybe you found that in your own heart at times. Well, you'll find, as I'm sure you have, you'll find out very quickly that stuff is not a source of peace. Ever. Ever. Because the new cars wear out. The new phones break. The new houses have problems. The new relationships go south. Stuff fails. What did Jesus say? Moth and rust doth corrupt. I hate that stuff (laughs) gets ruined just by time. There's a law of entropy, I think. Everything's going downhill. You buy a new car and you try to wax it and you try to keep it nice and then you go out a couple months later and you see pieces of the paint peeling. Oh, I just bought this. What's going on? Or I just bought this, these tires and now I got a flat or the, whatever it is. There's, there's all kind of different areas, right? Stuff fails. And if we're seeking happiness in the stuff, it's, it's never going to bring us peace. And so you've got this perpetual cycle going on out there. People are searching and searching and never finding peace. And that's why some turn to other sources like alcohol or drugs or Well, fill in the blank. Trying to fill that emptiness, right? And we can just look around in the world and we can see all these different situations and all these different examples where that plays out. Which, may I say, is exactly why the world needs the Gospel. This world needs to find out that God alone brings lasting joy and lasting peace and lasting contentment. It is God who brings us a true and fulfilling and satisfying purpose. You see, I know who I am today because of God. And you can strip me of everything that I own that doesn't take away my identity who is in God. I like my job, but if I lose my job, it's okay. I'm still a child of God in His care. The world needs to hear that. The world needs to see it in us. Played out before them. Lived before them. Spoken to them. But sadly, I'm beginning to notice more and more this same mindset in the Christian world. Among those who profess to know Him as Savior and particularly within God's churches. There is a lack of peace. A lack of purpose and a lack of life. I'm not talking about being, uh, being alive or even spiritual life, but it's not quantity I'm talking about, but this quality of life, this settled, foundational peace sometimes is lacking within God's people. And why is this? Because surely that's not the way it's supposed to be, is it? That's not God's intention. So what's the secret? There's a lot of people looking for the secret to life, right? They want to know what that quick, quick fix is. They want to know what the, the little thing to do or the little thing to read or whatever it may be. What is the secret? Well, let me tell you right now, there is no secret actually. It's not about the secret. It's about the source of peace. His Holy Spirit. The Spirit Himself and our relationship with the Holy Spirit. That's the central issue. 
And that's what we're going to focus on this morning because that is the difference maker. Within God's churches, within God's people, that is the difference maker. Our relationship with the Holy Spirit Himself. And so we see that in the verses before us this morning. Now, I will just say, there are many who feel very passionately about these verses. And my goal is simply to put before you what I see here in Scripture. That's my job as pastor. This is what I see that the Bible says. And to let it speak, and I do so with a spirit of humility and liberty. Listen, you don't have to see everything the same as me. Know it for yourself. When you study the Scripture, have your own convictions. Stand on your own feet. And so I do that with a spirit of humility and with a spirit of liberty this morning. And at the same time, I just don't want to put doctrine out there. I want to connect it to our lives. Because listen, these truths here in Romans chapter 8, in verse 9, in verse 10, in verse 11, they mean everything. They're going to mean something tomorrow. And then the next day, and then the next year, and then the ten years, and eternally. They mean something. It's not just to know them. How does this connect to my life? And so that's what I want to do. And you can come at things from many different angles. And rather than just be clinical, I want to try to bring it into our everyday life. Okay, so let's look at the book and let's see what God has to say about living peacefully. Because I think that's, that's what's connected here. Living peacefully. First thing I'd like you to notice this morning are some roadblocks to a peaceful life. Roadblocks to a peaceful life. Look there in verse 6. For to be carnally minded, fleshly minded, human thinking, for to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. You see that there? I'd underline that in your Bibles if you don't already. Life and peace. Such beautiful descriptors. To be spiritually minded is life and peace. For the carnal mind, the fleshly mind, the human ways of thinking, the carnal mind is enmity against God. It's always butting heads. Oil and water, they don't mix. And you can put them together in a little water bottle. I used to do that for science experiment when I was in elementary school. I don't know if you remember that. You color the, I don't know if it was the oil or the water blue, and you could have like a little ocean in there. You can shake that up as much as you want. They're never going to mix. The flesh and God are never going to mix. They're at enmity with each other. The carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can it be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Now, let's remind ourselves quickly before we walk through these who he's talking to. This is a letter to the church at Rome, right? He's talking to people that know Christ. They've been saved. And they have committed their lives in baptism and they're serving as part of his church here, this local church at Rome. And Paul has already uh, spent a good portion of the letter explaining all that. What justification is, why baptism is important. And what he's doing right here, he's talking about what it means to live the Christian life. Romans 6, 7, 8, these are the how-to of how to serve him. In fact, flip back to Romans chapter 6 real quick and look at verse 1 if you would. This is kind of the jumping off point, a turning point in the letter to where he he starts beginning to apply it. Romans 6 and 1, what shall we say then? Okay, he's just spent chapter 1, 2, 3, 4, 5 talking about how wonderful salvation is. 
All have sinned, fallen short of the glory of God, and be justified by faith in Christ. Therefore, we have peace with God through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's verses that are in those first part of the chapters. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of God, for it is the power of salvation to everyone who believes, right? He's talking about this wonderful thing that God has done in redeeming us. So what do we say to all that once we have been saved? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Should we just go on living the same? What does he say, verse 2? God forbid! No way! No, there's something we should do now. Verse 2, chapter 6. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into His death? Therefore we are buried with Him by baptism into death. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. We saw that last week when we baptized one here in this body, didn't we? Putting to death the old man, showing the the death of the sinful nature now, rising up to live a new life for Christ. Identifying with Him in His death and His resurrection, we are now living a new life as part of His body. Verse 5, For if we have been planted together in the likeness of His death, we shall also be in the likeness of His resurrection. We are coming alive again to live a new life, right? That's what this is all about, Romans 6 and 7 and 8. It's what He's telling how to live this new life. He goes on to talk about the battle with sin. We've all got this internal battle going on, right? The things that I want to do, but I don't do them. And the things that I don't want to do, I find myself doing those. And, oh, wretched man that I am, that's what he says. Who will deliver me from this body of death? I thank God that Jesus will. And because I stand in Him, there is no condemnation. And we've covered these verses in a previous message, but I just want to kind of touch base because what he says here is very important. It's what's called an axiom. I don't know if you know that word, A-X-I-O-M, an axiom. It means it's a very static truth. It's always true. Jesus is God is an axiom. God created everything is an axiom. It's always true. It's a very static foundational truth. The flesh and God do not mix. To be carnally minded is death. To be spiritually minded is life and peace. And oh, we try, don't we? It's like we try to take a little bit of the flesh and just kind of mix it in. We try and we try and we try and we find it doesn't work. We cannot cannot follow the flesh and expect to be pleasing to God. Can we? We cannot follow the flesh and the fleshy ways of thinking and all of that. We, We can't expect to be peaceful. No, it's not going to happen. We, I think we all want a spiritually stable life, don't we? We all want to know this life and this peace that He's talking about, but we have to be spiritually minded. What does it say in verse... Six, to be carnally minded. Now, he's, he's talking about a mind that is um, given to something. He's talking about patterns of thinking, patterns of living. And we can fall into that, can't we? We can fall into fleshly patterns. And it's not necessarily just sin, like all we're thinking of is sin. 
I think he's talking about just human thinking. My perspective. My way. Isn't that a song? I did it my way. We like to do things our way, don't we? I've got a thought of how my marriage should be, and I've got a thought about how I should be a husband, or I've got a thought about how I should be a wife, or how I should be an employee, and this sounds good to me, and this is what I'm going to do, and I'm going to do it my way. Yeah, maybe we hear the Bible and we read the verses that talk about that, and that's all well and good, but when it comes down to make those choices, sometimes we've got our way that we want to do and we follow that. Well, I think that's what he's hitting on here. Yes, certainly we can get into sin and we can follow after sin, but I think he's also talking about a pattern of thinking in our lives. And if we're going to follow our way and our way of thinking and do what we want to do, you know what? Sometimes that's going to drive a wedge between us and God. To be carnally minded is death. That word means separation. It's not like if you think a bad thought, you're dead. Although we should be, because God is that holy, if we really think about it. But no, the word death means separation. And you and I know how it is when we can get caught up. Maybe it's just being busy with life, or maybe it's going through a trial, or maybe it's just living. We can find ourselves drifting a little farther and a little farther from God, don't we? A little wedge here, and soon it becomes bigger and bigger. Maybe that's happened in your marriage. Maybe that's happened in your family or other relationships. Something can happen, and we start finding ourselves drifting apart. And Paul says here, it's that carnal mind that will do that. In fact, we we cannot go through life in our marriage, in our family, or in our job, or even in church with a worldly, humanistic, self-centered mindset and expect to be at peace with God or at peace with one another. It's not going to lead you into His perfect plan if you're always going your way. It's going to lead the other way. Why do I say that? Verse 7, because the carnal mind is enmity against God. Your flesh, my flesh, doesn't want to be a husband or a wife as God says to be. Your flesh and my flesh does not want to be the church member that God says to be or the family member or the relationship, whatever. Fill in the blank. It does not want to do what God wants to do. It does what we want to do. Oh, and it might take some here and some there, but in the end, it's going its own way, right? I think we're really good at fooling ourselves sometimes. Lying to ourselves. I think we know it too. (laughs) That's how messed up we can get, right? This is going to be good for me. We know it's not. Yeah, it's going to be good. No, I know it's not, but I'm going to tell myself that. I'm still going to do it, and in the end, I'm still going to pay for it, but we know these things. That's the carnal mind. It's that enmity. With God, and it leads us down the wrong path sometimes, doesn't it? It's not subject to the law of God. Here's how our flesh works God says, Don't steal, we want to steal. God says, Don't covet, we want to covet. That's how our flesh and, our, and sin works. So we need to be very careful. What our mind is about. Is it about carnal things? Is it about me? Is it about fleshly things? Or is it spiritual? That's the contrast given, right? To be carnally minded is death, but spiritually minded is life and peace. And it's amazing to me how many, 
How many marriages? How many personal lives? How many of us in different areas of our life have unnecessary conflict and unnecessary trials and troubles because we're just not following His way. Our mind is carnal too often. Let's say you have a conflict in home. There's a way the Bible tells you to handle it. Or a conflict in the church. Let's go that route too. What does it say? Well, we're supposed to talk to one another, right? If somebody's offended you, you go tell them. That's what the Bible says. Does anybody ever follow that? No. (laughs) We never do that, do we? We like to go the other way quite often. That's what our fleshly mind does, right? Because sometimes it's hard to handle conflict. And we can handle that situation with one another or within the marriage, whatever it is, and we can handle it biblically and see healing and restoration, but sometimes our mind doesn't want to do that, and we go down our way, and it can turn into a big problem, can't it? You see how this can affect every area of our life? Turn, if you would, to Genesis chapter 17. There's something I came across in uh, my personal reading and kind of struck a note with me as I was studying for this message. I, I, I pray it does with you as well. Hadn't really planned on going here, but I think it'll be helpful. Look into the life of Abraham. Amazing, faithful man. But he had his flaws, didn't he? It's part of what I love about Scripture. It's raw. It doesn't just show you perfect people. It shows you faithful people who stumbled and had to get up and ask forgiveness. And so it it helps us and it gives us hope, doesn't it? That's what the New Testament says. You look back in the Old Testament, these things are written so I can have strength. I can look into people's lives and see maybe some of my own flaws reflected. Something that struck me here in chapter 17, verse 1. And when Abram was 90 years old and nine, the Lord appeared to Abram and said unto him, I am the Almighty God. Walk before me and be thou perfect. The idea is genuine. We can't be perfect. But we can be genuine in our heart, can't we? So that's the call that God gives to Abraham. He says, walk before me, be thou perfect. And I will make my covenant between me and thee. And I will multiply thee exceedingly. And Abram fell on his face and God talked with him saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with thee and thou shalt be a father of many nations. Neither shall thy name any more be called Abram, but thy name shall be called Abraham. For a father of many nations have I made thee. And I will make thee exceeding fruitful, and I will make nations of thee, and kings shall come out of thee. And I will establish my covenant between me and thee, and thy seed after thee, and their generations, for an everlasting covenant, to be a God unto thee, and to thy seed after thee. And I will give unto thee, and to thy seed after thee, the land wherein thou art a stranger, all the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. And God said unto Abraham, Thou shalt keep my covenant, therefore thou and thy seed after thee and their generations. And he goes on to give a very physical sign, which is circumcision of the covenant that is made. I don't know if you've ever kind of stopped and maybe considered what's going on. Abraham's 99. 
And God renews His covenant. He says, I'm going to make you a father of great nations. God has some great promises for us, doesn't He? Kind of like to be spiritually minded is life and peace. But Abraham's 99. And he's heard this covenant before. Almost 25 years ago. God tells him this when he's 75. 25 years of the same promise that Abraham hasn't seen fulfilled yet. Listen, in our human minds, we can hear some things and kind of say, are you serious, God? Let's be real. Sometimes we think that, don't we? You said this already. You said I would have peace if I follow you. You said you would walk with me. You said this or you said that. Sometimes we can find ourselves in a place of doubting. And I think he does by some verses we'll read here in just a second. Namely, one of his reactions. Are you serious, Lord? You're going to make me a great nation. How's that going to happen? I don't even have a son of my own. He didn't. How are kings going to come out of me? How is my seed going to be like the numbers of the stars or the sand on the seashore? I don't see how that's going to happen. And maybe you find your place in life at times when the Bible talks about peace or spiritual quality of life or walking close with God and you say, I don't see how that's going to happen. Because it really doesn't feel like that right now. I think we all find ourselves there sometimes, don't we? Look what he says in verse 15. God said unto Abraham, As for Sarai thy wife, thou shalt not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall her name be. And I will bless her and give thee a son also of her. Now up to now you understand, Sarah can't have kids. Says she was barren, physically unable to have children. He says, I'm going to give you a son from her. And I will bless her, and she shall be a mother of nations, and kings of people shall be of her. Then Abram fell on his face and laughed. It's not quite a holy reaction, is it? I'm going to do this for you. And what does Abraham do? He laughs. He said in his heart, Shall a child be born unto him that is a hundred years old, and shall Sarah that is ninety years old bear I just don't see how this is going to happen, God. It sounds great, but my goodness, don't you see what's going on? Do you you ever find yourself there? I know this is what you promised, and I know this is what you want me to do, and I know this is what you have called me to do, but Lord, look around. This is kind of hard right now. I just don't see how this is possible. I think that's where Abraham is. We can find ourselves there. Let me just tell you, that's carnal mind. It's a carnal mind. Faith does something for us, doesn't it? It helps us to see beyond. In fact, I think that's what faith is to a certain extent. Looking past the scene, looking past my own thoughts, and seeing what God can do. And if we have a carnal mind, carnal, carnal thinking, human thinking will cut faith short. 
But spiritual thinking, spiritual mind, helps faith to grow, doesn't it? I want you to notice the next verse. Here's, here's kind of what jumped out to me. Verse 18 of Genesis 17. And Abraham said unto God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before thee. See, Abraham had made some mistakes, hadn't he? He had got the promise some 25 years ago and went year after year after year after year after decade after decade with no kids. I'm going to make of you a great nation, Abraham. Just trust me and follow me. I haven't seen that yet. I'm going to make of you a great nation. I don't know what's going on. And then he takes things into his own hands, doesn't he? Him and Sarah. And then you have the whole incident with Hagar and Ishmael. And now he's made a mess because he was following carnal thinking. He's made a mess and still kind of wavering in his faith. And he says this, Lord, what about Ishmael? Why, why, why don't you just bless him in the same way? This is kind of the situation I see. Can you work with this? We do that, don't we? We make a mess of things and then we find ourselves begging God to kind of bless it because we messed up. See, Abraham followed some carnal thinking. Did his own thing. Did it his own way and he got himself into a mess, didn't he? Well, I want you to notice God's grace here. God said, Sarah thy wife shall bear thee a son indeed. And thou shalt call his name Isaac. And I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and with his seed after him. And as for Ishmael, I have heard thee. God has grace in us in our stupidity, doesn't he? He says, I've heard you and I'm going to bless him. You know, there's times I've walked through life and I've done some dumb things, said some dumb things. And God has grace, and He takes the mess, and He makes it good, doesn't He? And yeah, there, there, there's some troubles. We still have troubles today from this whole scene, but God takes it and adds grace and gives grace and gives mercy. So sometimes we can follow a carnal way of thinking, and if we didn't, we'd save ourselves so much heartache, we save ourselves so much wasted time, but let me just tell you right now, maybe if you find yourself walking in that or living after that, If you bow before the Lord, He has grace and He can forgive. And He can take the mess and make it right. What brought the trouble and what brings the trouble in our life, just as it did with Abraham, is fleshly thinking. Following fleshly patterns. We try to mix and we try to to do our own thing and then... Mix it in with God. It doesn't work. Listen, we can't sit in church on a Sunday and be all spiritual and spiritually minded and then Monday through Saturday we're just living however we want to live. It doesn't work like that. That's not going to bring us peace. That's going to bring us heartache. It's going to bring us sorrow. Separation. Now what brings life and peace is to be spiritually minded. The carnal mind brings death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. We need to have a mind 
and a heart that is yielded to Him. You wake up in the morning asking the Lord for guidance. Lord, this is my day today. Please be in it. I think that's one of the best things we can do. That with with reading the Word. And I don't care if it's a chapter or a couple chapters, but starting the day with reading the Word of God, letting it sink in, and laying out our day and asking for guidance in, in the day before us is one of the best things that we could do. It helps us to be yielded to Him, to be obedient to Him. Maybe you have a day that you know is going to be filled with maybe some obstacles. Lord, I got this meeting today. Or Lord, things haven't been good lately. Or whatever it may be, I need your help in it. Help me to follow you. You know what wonders that can work in our life? That when the stress comes or the conflict comes, we can respond to it either carnally or we can respond to it spiritually. We ought to follow His ways because His ways are always better for us. His plan for us is always perfect. His plan is always good. You follow God's plan for you as an individual and you live that out in your job, you're going to have a good job. You're going to have good relationships there. You live it out in your marriage, you're going to have a good marriage. You live it out in your family, you're going to have a healthy family because God's plans are always good. We mess it up, don't we? We mess it up. If we follow His plan, we can know and live a life that is more abundant. I come to give them life and life more abundantly. We can know a life that is full of peace that passes understanding. If we would simply live and think spiritually. Listen, the instructions are simple, aren't they? Just do this. Just do this. Just follow me. Why do we find it so hard at times to, to do that? We can find ourselves getting caught up in sin. And that usually doesn't happen overnight, does it? I don't know if you've ever looked back at your life and you found yourself at a point where you were just kind of consumed with sin. Maybe it's anger, maybe it's lust, or maybe it's something. And you look, in, you look around and say, man, what happened? I don't know how this happened, but I'm really far from God and I find myself following this sin. Well, you know what? It started out in baby steps. Maybe you look around you and relationships around you or your relationships are broken. How did it happen? It started in baby steps when we started walking away from the plan of God in a carnal, human, man-centered way of thinking. But if we think and would live spiritually, we'll find peace in all of those things. We'll find ourselves staying away from sin and rather than getting caught up in it, we're repenting of it. Running away from it. You'll find our Relationships more established. Sometimes in our life, we can get to a point where we find verse 8 to be true. So so then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Well, the fix for that, the remedy for that, the healing for that, is not to get more into the flesh is to get closer to the Spirit, isn't it? What's going to keep the flesh out of my mind is to be filled with the Spirit. 
It's the Spirit that flushes all that out. It's the Spirit that draws me closer to Him, that, that connects me closer to Him. And it's the Spirit that pushes down the, the fleshly way of thinking and leads and guides my heart. And I think we find failing in this area so much and too often quite simply because we forget who we are. I don't have time to finish. We're out of time already. I don't have time to finish and we'll pick this up next week, but I want you to look there in the first part of verse 9. Carnal mind's death. The flesh is enmity with against God, and those that are in the flesh cannot please God. But look what he says in verse 9. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. You are not part of the flesh anymore. You are in the Spirit. That's not who you are, church. We don't have to battle those things like we used to. We don't have to have or to let the flesh have victory over us. Didn't he say in chapter 6, why are you going to live any longer in sin? You're dead to that anymore. You're dead to that now. You're not in the flesh anymore. You have a power in your life that overcomes that. You have a person in your life that overcomes that. The Holy Spirit of God. I don't have to live carnally. I can live spiritually. You understand that this morning? You can live spiritually. Sometimes we talk about these things and we think, oh, it's not possible. Oh, you better believe it is. You, it is possible for you and me to have a vibrant, close walk with God because our identity is that we are in the Spirit. Ye are not in the, you are not in the flesh, but ye are in the Spirit. Why live in the flesh when we don't have to? The Bible tells us if you have been saved, you are a child of God. You are a new creation in Him. Born again. That old man is dead. That old sinful nature is dead now. Leave it dead. In fact, he's going to say here in verse 13, kill it. When the sin comes up, when that fleshly thinking comes up, put it to death again. As it starts to twitch on the floor, put it back to death because if you let it in, it's going to bring separation. We are to kill that through the Spirit. Of a new creation. If we followed in baptism to His church and being faithful to Him, all of this puts us in direct connection with the source of peace. Yes, there may be some roadblocks in our life to peaceful living. But we don't have to let those things block us from Him. We have a connection. We have the source of peace, the source of life within our lives. So those roadblocks can be swept away easily. Yes, this morning you can know true and lasting peace. You can know a life that is peace-filled. You don't have to keep searching. We don't have to keep looking for satisfaction somewhere else. Christ satisfies, and He satisfies fully. We don't have to Walk around waiting for the next big thing. We are in the Spirit. We are His. Maybe it's time we be reminded of that. Maybe it's time we remember who we are. It's easy to drift away sometimes. It's easy to get distracted. I understand that. We all do, right? 
We got busy lives to live and we, we got full plates and full schedules, but don't let the busyness take you away from who He is and who you are. In fact, I can live a peaceful life connected to Him in my marriage, in my family, in my job, in my church, in every aspect of my life so that He permeates through it and that peace runs through it all. But the key is i got to be spiritually minded. A mind that is given to Him. A mind that is focused on Him. Maybe we need to just lay that foundation first this morning before we go on to how that connection is. There's such a wonderful dynamic when it comes to our relationship with the Holy Spirit and how we are fully and vitally connected to Him. But maybe this morning what we need to focus on first is some of those things we can let get in the way. It's not God's fault. You know that. It's our fault. It's my own failure to be spiritually minded. So maybe this morning, if you find your mind is focused on other things and consumed by other things, maybe we need to get back to a spiritual mindset. And that doesn't mean you're sitting in a room in the dark with your legs crossed and saying, Om, all day. (laughs) It doesn't mean you speak back to everybody in Scriptures all the time. It means I... My, my thinking and my heart is yielded to God. Lord, what do you want me to do? Show me how to be a dad. Show me how to be a husband. Show me how to be an employee. Show me. Help me. Guide me. Lead me. And when He shows us His plan through His holy word, that we follow. It's, it's that simple. Maybe we need to return to that this morning. Because, you know, quite often we can have minds that don't have room for God or hearts that don't have room for God. There's so much junk in them. We need to get some of that stuff out. To be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. You're not in the flesh, but you are in the Spirit. That's who we are. So I hope uh, maybe this morning if some of us find ourselves maybe separated from God in our thinking or our living, that we would ask Him to clear the roadblocks out of the way, to get my mind back where it needs to be, so that we can know that life, and that peace that He wants to give us. Let's pray. Father, I come before You. ask Your blessing on the words that were spoken. I thank You for all that You have given us and all that You have done for us, Lord. For the promises of life and peace that, that You have for us. I thank You for Your grace and Your mercy when we mess things up. Too often we follow our own ways of thinking, Lord, and we just... We do the wrong things or we rebel and get ourselves into trouble and quite oftentimes we walk away from you when we shouldn't. Lord, I ask for grace in those times that you would draw us back. Our, our heart is prone to wander, Lord, as the, the song says. And I ask that you would bind our hearts to you. That you would help our minds to be spiritual and not fleshly. Even in all the things that we face and all the the things that we must do, Lord, as we go through life, that first and foremost we would think and live and be spiritual. So give us grace just now, Lord. And maybe there's some of us here this morning that find ourselves 
with roadblocks to this life that you've given us. I ask that you move them and break them down and get them out of the way so that we can walk closer to you. I pray that you would take the words that have been spoken, do as you see fit, let all things be done for your glory, Lord. I ask all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen.